Hello and welcome to another episode of another football podcast. We are back. If you guys have missed us, yes, we are back. We kind of evaded from creating a little podcast from last week's friendlies. LOL. You guys can have permission to laugh. Um, but no, we're back. Liga Mekis is back. And we're at the end, close to the end of Liga Mekis season to seeing what will happen in La Liguilla. I am Caritores and with me, the other pod to this podcast. I'm trying to be funny, guys. Okay. The other pod to this podcast, you know him, Tom. Tom Harrison. How are you? That took me way too long to get. <laughs> I didn't have a clue what you meant for a moment. Uh, I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing, Gary? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm trying to have some fun with it. You know, it's been two weeks. We have a lot to talk about, break down this week in Liga Mekki. So kind of wanted to add some humor to that, like two peas in a pod. You, me, podcast, pod. Come on, Tom. It took, I'd said it took me way too long. I'm slightly embarrassed. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, we have, for the most part, four games from Liga Mekis Jornada to talk about. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to start off with this game. Why? Because it was the first game. And we were set to both watch this. Um, but you, Tom, ended up watching it alone because I had to work late. And I missed on the crazy VAR chaos that happened. Because a game with seven goals and with the VAR implemented and it made a lot of decisions um i mean uh rifle andrade with a penalty and then who else duque Vigon. i mean it was just like lots of goals um atlas had a lot of possession i mean you're talking about atlas number 18 in la liga versus veracruz who was number 17 so i'm gonna hand this to you what happened what was the chaos what did you ex- what did you see what did you like about the atlas veracruz well, I think we saw a glimpse of how VAR can affect Liga Mekis. And, of course, something that adds chaos to football, which VAR does, is obviously going to add even more chaos when we're talking about football in Mexico. Uh, to be honest, it was, it was a lot of fun, the game. You know, it, it was a game between two sides that... Um, uh, way out of it this season haven't had good seasons by any any stretch of the imagination but yeah to see how VAR could potentially impact Sigamekis was interesting um, there's two ways of looking at it I guess and, and one is that it added drama and I'm looking at this really from a fan perspective and a fan perspective of you know how many fans really really care how fair every single game is because we're never going to get true fairness in football never going to happen if you if you to have true fairness we'd have to assess every single decision in a game uh, and to me VAR doesn't particularly make the game much fairer but uh, it kind of superficially does and the way we, we saw it impact you know on the one side it added some some drama some fun of oh my god there's this this player's gone down the box they're going to look at the VAR is it going to be a penalty the crowd get excited um, things went Atlas's way in terms of the first VAR, so there was the big cheer and everything, and it added the excitement. The other way to look at it is between the 10th and the 17th minute of the game, uh, there were two penalties and one corner. That was literally all that happened. So for seven minutes of the match, and we did actually have five minutes of added time at the end of the first half to kind of make up for it, 
But uh, there was also another VR decision. But seriously, in seven minutes of football, we saw a penalty, uh, two penalties, one which was saved, which then went out for a corner. The corner came in. There was another penalty from that. And then the other penalty was scored. And that's all we saw in seven minutes. To me, that was just that's that's just not Time right consuming. it's like a lot of stoppage during the game breaks yeah the game. It, it does and we we don't want um this to become like american football we don't want it to be stop start like that part of the the thing that is so great about football is how it flows so well and i think the flow of the game is very very important that you you see how much confidence how much um momentum can start can swing during matches and commit impact the game and breaking up the game by having these two three minute stoppages giving players a physical and mental rest i think has a massive impact on the momentum and the way the game's going and actually i think that's something that hasn't been taken into consideration and it's it's something that for me affects the game certainly so you know uh it gave us a glimpse into how vr worked the game was fun though it was a lot of fun and it, it was a reminder to me that sometimes the Liga Mekis, the worst games on paper can be the best. <laughs> and not necessarily the best quality, but uh, fun to watch. Um, there, was, there was so much going on in it, and you know, Veracruz kept getting themselves back in the game somehow. Um, but Atlas, I, th I think, were the better side. They deserved the win. And, um, you know, after... After a spell of scoring one goal from over 120 shots, they went on to score. Yeah, seriously, uh, they went on to score five goals from their next 17 shots. So uh, that's it was bound to happen, and yeah, good for them. Crazy. Yeah, I think you're right. When it comes to the whole VAR, I think everybody, you know, but just because Liga Mekis, there's games that has been a lot of controversy with the referees and this and that and everybody's always if we had VAR well this wouldn't happen if this if that and I think when you put it into reality there could be when it's implemented in these types of games and like you said it's just lots of time being wasted on deciding yes or no and just interrupting the flow of the game and I heard some jokes about oh well what if VAR was implemented in the the final with Chivas and Thetis like they would have been a whole different other story with you know Chivas's goal and offside and whatnot so yeah but I mean I you could know. say that about everything can't you you can exactly. you can say if the offside rule was never invented then the game would be very different and it would you know yeah we could oh, yeah, you could definitely. say that forever definitely I agree um but yeah interest I, I missed that game I was we were set to watch and I missed and I was like, oh my God, I missed on so much. Like Twitter was going wild just because it was the first game and Ivar and the chaos. And I was like, I missed it. It is what it is. But um, at least you got to watch it. <laughs> Who thought you'd be so upset about missing Atlas Veracruz? I mean, it's, I don't know what you did. It's just, <laughs> you're opening my eyes to these types of games that we tend to watch together. And I'm like, oh you know i started like seeing things differently or i start paying attention that even players and i'm like oh i never really paid attention but you know etc so good good game four three um what to expect from these two i mean really nothing i think atlas been really poorly and um questioning about omar gonzalez i from coming from uh pachuca to atlas i mean i don't know if what he was expecting um i mean what do you think about gonzalez overall 
Um, I mean, he came up with the the winning goal in this game. Yeah, but o- like but overall, he's he's looked very poor to me, very poor. Um, I think Pachuca um, did well to to sell him. I can't remember which game it was. There was a game recently where um, he lost. Um, he lost a, a crucial aerial duel, which led to a, a, a goal conceded by Atlas. And, you know, this is one of the tallest, best aerial players in Liga Mekis, or supposed to be. And obviously playing at, uh, playing at Atlas this season can't be easy, but he looks a shadow of his former self, certainly. I agree. I agree. So we'll see how... What maybe what what expectation he has for next season? Yeah, and I think um, I think I can say we should all expect that Atlas will do a lot better next season. This is a freak year. I mean, scoring one goal from 120 shots—that that, I don't—I'm not sure that's ever happened before. That's, that's ridiculous. The when they scored that goal, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that was ridiculous. That that's not going to happen. Then they're, they're not as bad as they you know their number of goals and their position at the table suggests I think they're definitely better than Veracruz and arguably better than Lobos as well I, they probably I are I, yeah. they'll definitely bounce back next season somewhat yeah <laughs> I mean we'll see what they do um, you know it's always we never know what's going to happen in the in the transfer window you never know true okay moving along to Saturday's game Pachuca versus Santos Pachuca sitting in 10th place and Santos remaining in third they started at third remained at third I think Santos is that team that has been on low key pretty consistent and no problem um, going to La Liguilla and like last Liguilla they were the dark horse and look what they did so I definitely think it could be a team that could definitely surprise La Liguilla um, early goal from Portugal's man third minute pretty much setting the tone for the game and I re- just saw Pachuca that really outplayed Santos um, first half and um, definitely second half they kind of struggled and I think I mean you were talking about how you mentioned that like Pachuca would have put this game away early in first half especially with all how they were playing they were just really outplaying Santos we saw Gaito Vasquez really struggling to hold um, in the midfield and man on man coverage with Guzman he really struggled a lot so um but, you know, Julio Furch, goleador de Santos, came in, 85th minute scoring, currently now sits at 10 goals and counting. Um, so what did you think about this game, Pachuca versus Santos? It was another another disappointing one for Pachuca in terms of points lost that they shouldn't have lost, really. Exactly. And, you know, Pachuca, in a similar way to Atlas, but obviously... Um, you're looking at them in a higher position, are underperforming in the league in comparison to how they've been playing. You know, in so many, in so many different metrics, in so many different games, when you see, you see they look very, very good. Um, they look like one of the best teams in the league right now. And they're unable to get, they're, un- they're unable to turn good performances into results. A lot of this is because they haven't been as efficient in front of goal as um, some other sides. I mean, you know, the, the top teams in the league, they're all teams that are um, performing better than their expected goals right now. They're all, they're all scoring more than their expected, 
they've been expected to and Pachuca, with Pachuca it's the other way around. So that lack of efficiency in the final third where it matters most has cost them and you know that that game like I said they sh they should have killed that game off you know we were t we were talking about it whilst the game was going on they had s so many great chances they were, were playing very very well against Santos and it looked like they were going to get a crucial win to push them up um, perhaps into the top eight for the end of the weekend and then yeah Furch is always going to be a threat from those area balls and um, you know he stole a point for Santos and, and the point for Santos was massive absolutely Definitely. massive because it's they're, they're, they're there now you know they're in Ligia thanks to that point um, talking about Pachuca like you said this game in, in Hidalgo was very important because they needed these three points from here on out it's kind of crucial to get as many points as, as they can now looking at the next four games they're going to face Veracruz they're going to face Necaxa Atlas and León to me, they could probably rescue nine out of the twelve points possible. <laughs> who who are they? Who are they dropping points against? <laughs> I know you're laughing at me because Leon is the last uh, the last jornada, and I don't think Pachuca could beat Leon because Leon, yeah. So I think um, they could get nine out of twelve points because I mean, like we said, Veracruz, Necaxatos, they could surprise Liga Mekis, but they. Sh Do you think with those nine points, they could be pretty secure, sliding in up top? Well, they're on sixteen now, um, mm -hmm. so nine more. Yeah, yeah. I think if they win three of their next four, they'll they'll be in there. They'll be in. And I think they should. Mm -hmm. The team. I agree. The team is playing well enough. Um, They've, they've got the potential in there. If they can get the best, you know, talking about finishing their chance, if they can now get the best out of Leo Ujoa, then they'll, they'll be in there. And I think, so they, could, I think they could really do something. I think so too. I think they have the potential. So looking at how it just killed me that they lost this game because they shouldn't have lost it. And then looking at, you know, to the next couple of games, they should have finished, they should finish strong. Um, so I, I, do believe it's possible. I mean, they have the talent. Pocho Guzman, Ulloa, Pablo Lopez, Dedos. I mean, they have the quality. It's just a matter of, like you said, finishing off. Which yeah, is what's been and, and Guzman is, you know, we've got to mention him on Pachuca. Outstanding. He is having a phenomenal season and his development in the past year, past few months even, is unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. I... I never thought that a player could add so much to his game in such a sort of space of time. And you look at him now, he's, he's so, there's, there's like an, an aura about him on the pitch. Like he knows he's one of the best players around. Mm -hmm. Maybe putting on that Mexico shirt has helped change his mentality a little bit. Not that he wasn't playing fantastic well before, but the way he, he plays, the way he moves on the pitch, there's something about him now that you just you look at him and go, this this guy's a player. You know, he's a he's a top quality player in a similar way came to back you. Differently, definitely, I think so, and I think it's similar to how you've seen Chucky and Guti and Pizarro develop at Pachuca. You know, they they do very well as young players. They they get better and better, and then I don't know. It seems like there's a point where suddenly it hits them how good they are, and then they act like it. And you know, I like that. I like that. Me too. To me, Sequeda in La Selección and, and hopefully um, he'll branch 
farther where he needs to. He has a quality, so it's just a matter of time, I guess, at this at this point. Um, let me ask you about Aguirre, because me and my dad have gone <laughs> back and forth. Aguirre is 21 years old. My dad has told me he doesn't like Aguirre. He thinks that he should not be in La Selección or given the opportunity. What do you think he needs? What do you think he can still develop? Or, or he's that kind of player that you think is just at its end, I guess. I mean, he's still young, but I think at this point with the experience and that he's, you know, gotten with uh, Liga Mekis and now, like, do you think he can still be a top player or what is he missing or what does he need to you? He needs to finalize where he's playing on the pitch. Um, we mm-hmm. saw him for Mexico in the recent in the recent friendlies playing as a holding midfielder and I think he did quite a good job there. For Pachuca, he's playing as a left winger. I mean, fundamentally yeah. different positions. And the fact that he's playing at left wing is, is still confusing to me. Um, but I, I sort of think who am I to question because in the past I questioned Pizarro playing as a number 10. I questioned Guzman playing as a number 10. You know, I questioned those decisions from Diego Alonso and uh, after tough starts for both of them. And let's be honest, both, you know, even Pizarro, when he first started playing as an attacking midfielder for Pachuca, he was not very good. Uh, yeah. And over time, they grew and have become very, very good players in these positions. Aguirre is yet to properly do that as a left winger. Um, I don't think his skill set suits it. For me, he's not a player who's very good at 1v1 situations. I think that's a weakness of him. Um, I, I certainly felt that when I saw him live, when, he, when I went to Toluca against Pachuca and um, uh, um, Salinas had, you know, had full control of him the whole game. The other thing about him this season is that his crossing efficiency is really, really poor. He's, you know, <laughs> he's actually worse than Carlos Vieira at crossing this season. <laughs> so, wow, that's a that's a new stat for me. There you go. Uh, yeah, would you believe it? No, he's to be honest, he's not having a very good season. He's been he's been a weak link in Pachuca's attack as a left winger, and be interesting to see how long he is continued in that role um, a lot of people say that it's only because of Burrito that he's not playing as a holding midfielder right now but it seems weird to me that you go okay we can't put this holding midfielder as a holding midfielder so we're going to play him as a left winger like yeah. it doesn't quite make sense makes to sense. me I mean sh- surely you just use them as a slightly more advanced central player rather than a winger putting them on east side uh, but there we go. Ayesteran has followed off from where um, Alonso left. So interesting to see how Pachuca. I really hope Pachuca uh, makes it. Um, so hopefully they don't. They won't let us down. <laughs> um, okay. Now moving on to Walton Necaxa versus Leon. Yes, we're going to talk about Leon. Two-zero um, victory from La Fiera. Um, Boselli with a penalty at minute seven, and then Montes at minute sixty-nine. It was a weird game. Um, I, I don't want to say it was a great game from Leon because it wasn't. It was kind of just very monotone level. I mean, there was a lot of things I could point out. Um, interesting to say that William Yabrog returned to goal in Jornada thirteen. That was a 
pretty pretty big surprise because um, during the transfer, Rodolfo Pacoto came to Leon. He started as their goalie, and William has pretty much just played the Copa Mekis. So it was pretty surprising to see William back um, returning to Jornada as a goalie. Another surprise for me, um, Omar Mireles, a left back youngster for Leon, starting in place of Navarrito, which kind of I was kind of surprised. Um, and then also another surprise that I think that has come from Ambriz is he would start uh, Miguel Equiwa more than Mosquera in this game. He started Mosquera. So I was kind of interested because he has preferred Miguel Equiwa instead of Mosquera. I think you had told me a bit about Mosquera. You know, we kind of had gone this this conversation before. Um, so game, it was pretty just monotone. I mean, Nekaxa in 11 shots only had two on target. Leon was kind of on the same. In 12 shots, they only had three on target. Um, a surprise that you and me were talking about, Dieter was not on the the lineup, or he never even subbed in. I think I kept saying, where is he? Like, he needs to be on here. Nekaxa is missing a lot from him. Um, and... The sad part about this game was that Michelle Año was sacked. And I refer back to the podcast, preseason podcasts that um, you and me had recorded saying how we were so excited because, you know, he's a, youth, he's a really um, a youth coach and he has, this, you know, the ideology, he has his own idea. And we were really excited that we were hoping that Nick Axel would do really good. And I think we're going to go into that later. Um, but what did you think about the game? Like... What did you expect? Well, first of all, in the Leon lineup, you described it as like the Copa Mekis lineup they used when they beat Nakaxa in the cup. Yeah. And I wonder if that was a reason behind the lineup. I think that was uh, an interesting point you made. The other thing about Yarbrough is he's from Aguas Calientes. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if born, that. Born from Aguas Calientes. <laughs> I don't know if that was like a a nice thing from Ambrose to give him a game. But to be fair, Cotta has not done that well he you know, hasn't he's, but I'm he's, not going to blame the whole thing on him no no I mean he hasn't been uh, horrific but he perhaps hasn't hit the level that people expected from him um, considering what he did at Chivas uh, the game itself was it was quite a sad game to watch uh, to be honest it was you know it, it was a poor performance overall from Nekaxa and uh, Leon didn't have to do that much to win you know the goals were, were easiest for that I mean that first penalty was was a you know, terrible challenge um, from then on Nekaxa were chasing the game you know with recent results being poor it, it got quite desperate um, they obviously they didn't they didn't bring on Dita but the reason why really I think was because they had to bring on as many attacking players as possible. So, you know, Baragan, Riano, Facundo Castro, these more attack-minded players were the guys who came on as they desperately searched for a way back into the game. And then obviously Leon wrapped it up uh, towards the end. So it was sad because we've seen some really excellent performances from Necaxa this season. Um, and, you know, unfortunately things have unraveled lately and um, it was yeah it wasn't a showing that really did did them justice from um, from what we saw from them at, at times earlier this season I agree and I think Yumi had mentioned that um, obviously losing big players this summer 
Lindochki, Piojo Alvarado, Barovero, they did have a big influence on this team. Um, but I think that they gave up on on Michele Año and it's Liga Mekis and I think that's what's frustrating that they didn't even give him at least a hole <laughs> to finish off the season and maybe give him another year. I mean, look at Leon. Look what happened with Gustavo, Matos, with Gustavo Diaz last season. And then, you know, they give him at least this half and nothing. I mean, you have to at least try to give some continuity to that. And I think what really was making me kind of mad was, you know, on social media, they're questioning, oh, well, what did you expect? And I, I don't think there's room for that because, like you've said, we've seen a lot of, you know, good stuff from the Cax. And I think, you know, we've talked about, you know, how some of these players have developed and how they have good performances. And obviously the results are the what matter, not, you know, maybe kind of how they play. But it just goes kind of hands in hand. So um, it was just just really, really sad. And then you have a team like Necaxa that has Davila, Matias Fernandez, and Vialpando. I think there's a stat out there that there are three of the players in Liga Mekis that have taken the most shots. Um, I mean, it's just, you can't overlook something like that. But, I mean, I don't know what's next for Necaxa, you know? Yeah, the frustrating thing is you, you have to wonder what did the owners expect? Um, when you lose Barovero and replace him with Hugo Gonzalez, a weaker goalkeeper. You lose Lichnowski and and you lose De Luna. You know, the two of them were a great partnership, a really Duo. good combination together. And they were, they were a very good defensive team last season. And you lose both of them. The only guy they brought in was Leo Lopez, who's not a great player. They've had to play Ventura Alvarado this season, who for me is, is not Liga Mekki standard. <laughs> You know, the youngster Donato Hernandez has done quite well and he's come in, but again, I mean, massive weakening. And we're not talking about a team that last season were up near the top of the table. We're talking about a team that were pushing for Ligia and didn't quite make it. And they lose, uh, on top of that, they lose Alvarado. Who, who's come in to replace him? No, no quality winger has come in to replace him. Up front, Carlos Gonzalez. We're, we're going to talk about uh, the Pumas Tigres game in a minute. He scored a hat trick against Tigres. Who have they brought in to replace him? Brian Fernandez, who you know has been Doing nowhere nothing. near the same level. You can't lose that many quality players, that in a, especially in a short season where there isn't this time to to re. There rebuild. isn't much time to rebuild and get a whole new squad together, etc. And you can't lose that many quality players. Fail to replace them. And then and expect, expect this whole exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's just you know it, it's it's short termism at its worst because, it, as you've said in Leandro, they had a, a coach who has a very strong identity. Uh, had you know despite the fact that they'd lost all these players etc. He had actually turned them into the second highest possession based team in Liga Mekis. Now that in itself is an achievement, considering Nakaxa last season you know, were very, very defensive-minded, counter-attacking yeah. team. You know, the thing is, that at least in terms of Lanyo himself, um, he's a guy who, who speaks phenomenally well. I think so many people have been impressed with him. Uh, what he said in his press conferences have, have turned heads. He's only 31. I think um, the future is very much still bright for him. Very much bright for him and whoever gets to work with him and agrees with the same ideology that he does. Very, very exciting. Um, just his whole, just his, you know, I think he has a good, he's young. I think what was 
kind of bother me like oh he's naive no he's not if you look into what he's done and kind of kind of get to know him it's just he needs an opportunity he needs the right quality players and he needs a long-term project and that should pretty much sum it up yeah um, and so. and there's there's a difference between being naive and having principles that you want to stick to i totally agree and um you know we we need people in mexico we need people who have actual proper i i ideology style of play things they want to do things they're going to stick to rather than just whatever it takes to get a result on the weekend and then oh well then we'll forget that game and then go to the next game because that's what we have we have enough of that we have enough coaches who don't want to do it who don't care about their their style who don't really care about creating something long term who don't care about creating something beautiful they just are like okay well i'd like to keep hold of my job next week so We'll see if I can get a result. Yeah. Oof. Well, that way we had a lot to talk about that game. <laughs> Just to mention, <laughs> um, Leon is still in the running for Copa Mekis. Um, so they will face Cruz Azul, which Cruz Azul has kind of deteriorated slowly the past couple of games. They lost to Querétaro literally last minute. It was like back-to-back goals, minute 88, 89. They lost. It was kind of catch the second half of that game. So it was pretty interesting. But... So now Leon faces them in uh, Copa Mekis semifinal. Um, so that should be very interesting uh, to see how that plays out. The winner goes to Copa Mekis uh, final. So I'm hoping my Leon will definitely go through as to last season Copa Mekis. They failed to go to a final because they missed on a round of penalties. Um, so it'll be very interesting who gets to, you know, I heard uh, I heard that William Yabrook will be in goal tomorrow. So it'll be very interesting if it goes to penalties, how that will play out because they already did. Um, in the quarterfinal. And they could become the record uh, holders for the most Copa Mekis titles. Definitely so. So, um, I mean, there's, still hope for Leon. There's, there's, <laughs> they're still in the Ligia race somehow. Um, yeah. But for me, for me actually, I'd, I'd say Copa Mekis should be the focus. I'd be sending out a strong team, you know, against, against Cruz Azul. Oh, yeah, and especially against Cruz Azul. But I have. I have faith that they'll do their best in both (laughs) my positivity um okay moving along to pumas versus tigres pumas sitting in fourth uh tigres still remains at uh, seventh score three three um like you mentioned uh carlos gonzalez with the hat trick for pumas um and tigres on the other side um, the youngster Duran was still yet to get those minutes that they're required to get. So I guess Duca was like, you know what, let's just give this kid the whole game <laughs> to play. And he actually got a goal. Um, Pumas rescued the tie. Um, and, you know, Pumas, we've talked about Pumas and how they were so great and how they were going to fall. And now, I mean, they're still in fourth place, but is I know they're just not that good um, to me because you know i think i've mentioned the games that they've won they've been against teams that i mean yeah they're not really really important not no offense but um they shouldn't be given as the credit as they should and on the Tigres side very very interesting um Tigres have only won two out of their seventh uh, their seven games um they only won against queretaro and atlas they've drawn against monterrey pachuca necaxa and now Pumas. They've only lost against America. 
and even Tuca said we're not he doesn't like how they're playing um so what do you what do you think you watched this game so I'm gonna give I'm gonna throw it to you Pumas versus Tigres what did you see what did you like talk to me I really liked Javier Aquino most of all you know, it's rare in a game where a guy scores a hat-trick and he's not the best player on the pitch and that was the case on Sunday Aquino for me produced the best performance individual performance of a Liga Mekis player this season he was absolutely outstanding um, I mean just to throw a few stats at you a hat-trick of assists um, six key passes in total 93% pass accuracy it's ridiculous you know he made more key passes than he missed passes like that that shouldn't happen four or five dribbles successful he won five fouls he was incredible all round incredible performance and a reminder for everyone of what he can do in terms of thinking about um, Mexico going into the future overall it was another game that Tigres have kind of thrown away you know mm -hmm. a game where it was back and forth but it looked like they were going to win and then obviously they concede uh, the equaliser um, and couldn't, couldn't find a way to, to win the game you know they I've said it before they still look like a side that aren't sure of their strongest lineup. Mm -hmm. Um there's been a lot of rotation I think far more rotation way more rotation than we're used to used to seeing from Ferretti you know like you said Duran came in I think that might partly be to do with the youngster rule but also uh, Jürgen Dam was missing and Zellerian was missing as well they weren't available for the game but you know Julian Quinones has been playing a lot on the right this season he was on the bench came on as a sub uh, we saw the return of Edu Vargas who's mainly been used off the bench this season so you know Valencia hasn't played much he came on late for Gignac but yeah it's it's a team that doesn't quite look yeah we don't I don't know what the strongest lineup is I don't know their best way of playing the other thing is Ayala and Juninho how many times have we thought when are these guys going to be too old when are <laughs> these guys going to be past their best every season every season and, and every season they kind of prove us wrong but I mean we saw on Sunday they couldn't deal with Carlos Gonzalez I agree um, you know people Stidus is Stidus and they're still going to make the Ligia and they're still going to be a strong contender I mean do, do you think that's the case I mean their last the next couple of games are playing against Lobos which I think it should be easy for Tigres Monarcas I think could give them a fight and then Puebla and then Chivas um, they're going to Akron Sayo Akron they're in seventh place I mean is Tigres just being Tigres enough to be a strong contender in La Liga? Yeah, I think so. I think partly because of the the experience that they have, the fact that everyone and pretty much everyone in that squad has been there and done it not once, not twice, you know, three, four, five <laughs> times, uh, if not more. The other thing about Tigres in Liga is we've seen in previous years Gignac becomes a different animal in Ligia. Yeah. And to be honest, okay, he's, he's, he's scored a lot this season. Um, this is one of his best regular seasons, if not his actual best regular season, I'm not quite sure. Um, but still, his, he takes a huge number of shots. 
and he still is by no means the most efficient um, finisher in the league. He never is. You know, Eddie Valencia is a, is a lot more efficient than him normally. But in Ligia, he somehow manages... I, I don't have a stat. I'd love to see overall his, his goals-to-shots ratio in the regular season and in Ligia. Because in Ligia, I think it's at least twice as good. His Ligia record is ridiculous. And I think that in itself adds another dimension to the squad. Um, plus, yeah, obviously the experience that they have. But whilst we've seen Tigres in this position a lot of times, for me, I've never seen Tigres... I've never seen Ferretti rotate so much. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a Tigres that aren't that sure of their, their way of playing, I guess, and certainly their lineup. So yeah. that, for me, there's, there's, some, there's perhaps more questions than ever. Yeah, because I mean, Tuca said that he's just not liking how they've been playing. So I think there's just something about it. And he knows it. And I think it's, you know, he recognizes it. He's probably the realest person that talks and says what he, what mm. he sees and yeah. whatnot. So, I mean, I definitely think it's be interesting how that plays out. Just, um, a, just a quick thought on that. A quick question. He's been into two international breaks with Mexico now. He's lost mm-hmm. a lot of time on the training time. ground. Do you think that will have affected them? I think a bit. I mean, you losing your coach, not losing, but I mean, they're obviously an international break, but I think it still takes away a lot from uh, just mentally because he's going to have to switch and focus mentally on, okay, the pressure of uh, that Mexico national team. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's um, friendlies or not. They're still going to expect at least a Mexico that is has some functionality, gives players minutes. So obviously he switches his thinking cap to... Selección Mexicana, and then he has to bounce back and try and focus and uh, with Tigres and how they're not doing so well in the past couple of games. And, you know, I think it definitely um, has something to do with it. I, I do believe so. Uh, now, quickly moving to Mexicans abroad. Like we've said week by week when we do mention Mexicans abroad, there's not that many surprises. PSV won 6-0. Awesome goal from Guti. Uh, Chucky Lozano also got a goal and two assists. Jimenez, 60 minutes. He played 60 minutes. He did not have an assist, what he has is used to. Um, the return of Chicharito, because he's been out and he did come back, but he only played 33 minutes, and West Ham still lost 1-0. Uh, Guardado out with an injury. Nestor Araujo completing a suspension. Uh, Layun was watching the game from the bench. He got zero minutes. Um, Diego Reyes, no action, which has not surprised me. Um, HH, 60 minutes. Um, played and he subbed out and Tecadito subbed in. Um, so that's pretty much for Mexicans abroad, Tom. Um, so anything else you want to add to our Liga Mekis week or Mexicans abroad? No, I think that uh, covers it pretty well. Um, I guess one, one more thing just to mention is the the fact that Morelia continue to be up there. They got a very good win against Puebla on Sunday night, and despite losing Rui Diaz in the summer, ninth in the table, still right in the thick of the the battle for the top eight places. So, would be I mean what Roberto Hernandez has done there is already incredible, and it would be even more remarkable if he were to make a third consecutive Liguilla without Rui Diaz this time. 
Definitely, especially with all these players backing him up. And I think it's a team that we don't... We've mentioned um, Morelia before, but I think a lot of people overlook at them. And they are currently sitting in ninth place. So there's definitely um, the possibility for them making the Ligia. And I think it'd be pretty cool. Another dark horse slipping in there to La Ligia. Um, yeah, and I mean, Diego Valdez isn't even starting right now. So <laughs> he's getting a start imagine. for Chile, but not for Morelia. Because, yeah. It's working with us. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening to another football podcast for the return of this episode. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Uh, if you don't follow Caddy already, where, where can we find you? You guys can follow me at Caddy Torres underscore seven. Tom, we know. You have lots of people following you, but if they don't already follow you, where can they follow you at? At TomH underscore 36. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week.